Today we begin our third focus, which is our financial focus. So we are beginning a three-month focus on finances, January, February, and March. I'm going to be teaching a 10-part series on finances, and we've got some wonderful things planned in the background that are going to empower you to go to another level in your finances. Remember, we've got two years left of this one things process. We've got six more, including this one, to go, and uh, it's going to be a powerful time. And so this year, we're going to hit three of those. January, February, and March, we're going to hit finances. Then in April, we're going to have a wonderful Easter service. Then May, June, and July, we're going to hit family. You're going to have some break breakthroughs in your family this year. Amen. And then in August, we're going to break for the summer a little bit and, and give the small groups a rest. Then in September, October, and November, we're going to hit fellowship. That is, we're going to understand how to have real friendships and how to have real fellowship in the body of Christ and see God's blessing break out. And in each of those three realms, we're going back to the blessing. Then we're going to end this year in December with a powerful Christmas celebration and another wonderful New Year's Eve night celebration. So start polishing up your your songs or spoken words or dance or rap, whatever you got. We want to see you bring it out next year. No more excuses. All right. This is part one of our financial one things process. Part one of a 10 part series. And the, the title of this first message is the land of blessing. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 112, verse 1, we'll begin. Psalm chapter 112, verse 1. When you get there, say amen. All right, y'all too slow. This is what the scripture says. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commandments. Okay, now close your Bibles and look at me. Repeat after me. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. I said, repeat after me. (laughs) Blessed. Well, okay, let's try it again. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who takes great delight in his commandments. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who takes great delight in his commandments. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commandments. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commandments. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that as we approach the pages of your word, that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. God, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage each and every one under the sound of my voice. And may this word be like seed that settles into the depths of our heart. and May it bring forth a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessed is the man. I want to talk about that word blessed for a second. And as we begin our financial one thing, we need to get one thing straight. And we're not going to waste our time talking about money. Instead, we're going to talk about blessing. Because blessing is better than money. Before we go any further, we need to understand how precious the blessing is. You see, if you read the book of Genesis, you'll discover that the Genesis narrative in large part is about the struggle to obtain the blessing. In order for Isaac to get it from Abraham, Ishmael had to be rejected. In order for Jacob to receive it from Isaac, Esau had to be rejected. 
In order for Joseph to receive it, his brothers had to reject him. And in order for him to give it back to his brothers, he had to forgive them. You see, the blessing always requires, the reception of the blessing always requires some type of emotional struggle, some type of life difficulty, and the blessing comes out of it. In order for Moses to get it, an entire generation of Hebrew boys had to die. And in order for Moses to give it back to Israel, he had to be willing to lay down his life. In order for the nation of Israel to get it, they had to drive out the Canaanites from the land. And in order for the nation of Israel to keep it, they had to learn how to obey God's commands. See, the blessing is powerful, but it is not automatic. And our problem in our day and in our time is that we use the term blessing so loosely, so frivolously, that it has almost completely lost its meaning. We call stuff blessing that doesn't have anything to do with blessing. Stuff that is not worthy of the term blessing. Stuff that should not even be spoken of in the same sentence as the term blessing. When Esau discovered that his brother Jacob had taken his blessing, he wept bitterly because he discovered that once he lost it, he could never get it back no matter what he did. You see, the scarcity of the blessing is a key motif in the book of Genesis. The blessing is scarce. And because the blessing is scarce, the blessing is precious. And because the blessing is precious, the blessing is highly valued. And because the blessing is highly valued, once it is acquired, it is never taken for granted. But we live in a day and age in which there is no sense of the scarcity of the blessing. In the body of Christ, there's no sense of the scarcity of the blessing. In fact, we believe and we know that the blessing of God is not reserved for one, but given to the many. There's no, ble- there's no scarcity of the blessing. See, our problem is not that we can't get God's blessing. Our problem is that we don't value it as a precious thing. We see it as a common thing and not as a precious thing. See, our problem is that we've got so much blessing that we think we can treat it any way we want. We think that we can throw it on the shelf when we don't need it or toss it in the backseat of our car where it lays on the floor next to Coke cans and gum wrappers and half-eaten hamburgers. And then when we need it, we think we can just reach around and pick it up and dust it off and activate it and use it for our glory and to meet our needs. In our day and time, people think the only thing you need to do to be blessed is to say you're blessed. How are you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. How's your wife? Oh, she's blessed. How are your kids? They blessed. How's your mama? My mama's blessed. My daddy's blessed. Why? Just because you said you're blessed? Half the time when we say we're blessed, we don't actually mean it. We don't even understand what the blessing is. We're simply using it as a a bit of choice Christianese. That's the logical response to the question, how you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You see, we seem to think that being blessed is simply the act of making the best of a terrible situation. You could be in the worst situation of your life. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Well, what do you mean you're blessed? Well, I lost everything, but at least I'm alive. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Just being alive is not the same thing as being blessed. Don't mistake the basic provision of life with the blessing, the abundant blessing of abundant life. There's a difference between the basic provision of life and the blessing of abundant life. God has more for you than benedictive optimism. He has a greater blessing for you than you have room enough to receive. 
See, your problem is you don't even know what the blessing is. And because you don't know what it is, you don't know how precious it is. How do I know? Because you never sought it with tears. Have you ever sought it with tears? Have you ever gotten on your knees and wept before the Lord and said, Lord, please give me your blessing? You never stopped to think about how far Abraham had to journey to get it. You never empathized with Esau about how he wept bitterly because he learned that he had lost it. Or Samson, when he realized that the Lord had left him and taken away his strength. See, we're so confident in the fact that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance that we've begun to take the blessing for granted. And, we lo- and when we begin to take the blessing for granted, we lose the ability to recognize when it's been taken away. And we begin to call things blessing that are not worthy of the term. The fact of the matter is, some of us in this room right now are blessed but not walking in blessing. And you need to stop saying I'm blessed and start getting blessed. You hearing me this morning? You see, the blessing of God in the Genesis narrative is generationally elusive. You never know who's going to get it. You never know who it's going to rest upon. It skips the older and rests upon the younger over and over again. It skips the one who deserves it and it rests upon those who would swindle and steal to get it. Already we see in the Genesis narrative a picture of God's grace that prefigures the gospel in advance. And we see that even though the blessing of the Lord is hard to come by, even still it is never earned. It's never earned. Yes, it's hard to get, but it's still free. Hard to get. But still free because God chooses what is foolish to shame what is wise, what is weak to shame what is strong, what is low and despised, even the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no flesh may glory in his presence. God skips over the person that you think is blessed to bless the person that you think is not blessed. He skips over the person that you think deserves it to give it to the person that you know doesn't deserve it. Why? Because God's blessing is always given as the free gift of a benevolent God. But I think Numbers chapter 6 verses 20 through 27 is one of the most powerful passages of scripture in the entire Bible. In this passage of scripture, God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Did you hear this for a second? Do you know how powerful that is? Abraham had to pick up everything and leave his father's house and become an alien in a strange land in order to get the blessing. Then he had to circumcise himself, his sons, and everyone born in his house with flint knives. God says, I'm going to bless you, but first go get your knife. Abraham comes back with a knife. Good. Pull down your pants. I'm getting ready to bless you. Abraham had to circumcise his entire household before getting the blessing. And if that wasn't enough, God woke him up early one morning and said, You know that son Isaac whom you love? Yeah, take him to the mountain I'll show you and offer him to me as a burnt offering. And when he raises the knife on the mountain over Isaac, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, Stop, now I know that you'll obey my command. So in blessing I will bless you. And in multiplying I will multiply you. I will make your descendants like the sands of the sea. Do you know what Abraham had to go through to get to that point? But after all of this, God speaks to Moses and says, Come here, Moses. Tell Aaron. 
to teach his sons to bless the children of Israel. But Lord, don't they have to go on a journey first? No, no, no. Just tell the priest to bless them. But Lord, don't they have to cut themselves first? No, 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 no. Don't they have to threaten to kill their kids? I'll tell you what, if God blessed everybody who threatened to kill their kids, <laughs> there'd be a lot of parents that have a great blessing. <laughs> After all of this, God says, Moses, tell the priests of Israel they can just give the blessing free of charge to the people of Israel. Tell them to put my name on them and I will be blessed. Blessing is the superlative state of the righteous. Do you realize that there is nothing greater that God can do for you than bless you? Do you, do you hear that? There is nothing greater than God can give you than a blessing. Nothing greater. So when you say, I'm blessed, what you're actually saying is, I'm living at the highest state possible that a human being could live at. What you're saying is, there is absolutely nothing greater God can do for me than what he has already done. I'm blessed. See, when God blesses you, he prospers you. He increases you. He makes you fruitful. He causes your name to be known and he gives you a good reputation. See, the blessing of God is so powerful that only God can tell it where to go. The blessing of God is so strong that nobody can move it but God. The blessing of God is so powerful that it won't go anywhere unless God commands it to go somewhere. That's why he said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 8, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land the Lord has given you. The psalmist talked about it in Psalm 133.3 when he talked about the dew of Hermon and the mountains of Zion, and he said, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. How many know that God is able to command a blessing? God commands it, and it goes where God commands it. He looks at the barren places in your life. He says, blessing, go there. He looks at the unfruitful places in your life. He says, blessing, go there. He looks at the places where you've been taken advantage of, and the places where you've fallen apart. And he says, blessing, go there. What God does is he looks at the cracks and the holes in your life and he fills it with blessing. He knows exactly where to put the blessing, exactly where you need the blessing. And he sends it right into that place of rejection and right into that place of failure. It says, blessing, go there. Blessing, go there. He commands the blessing and it goes where he tells it to go. Amen. The blessing is powerful. And God has promised to command the blessing. And in fact, God, God longs to command his blessing. Just as Jacob called Esau, he said, Esau, come here. Esau came. He said, I want you to go out in the fields and I want you to hunt some game. And I want you to cook and make me a nice meal and bring it in and let my soul delight so that I can bless you. He said, son, this is why I'm sending you out hunting, because I want to bless you. But I can only bless you if my soul begins to delight. And so I, I, I need to get in touch with my blessing. And in order to get in touch with the blessing God has given me, my soul needs to delight in you. So I need you, son, to make me some food. I need you to bring it into my presence and serve me. Why? Because I want you to serve me hand and foot? No, because I want to give you a blessing. But my blessing only flows out of my delight. It only flows out of my favor. It only flows out of my good pleasure. So son, go make me a meal and bring it into my presence and let my presence be filled with the aroma of the sacrifice so I can bless you. 
Do you realize that God is drawing us into his presence? He's calling us to come into his tent and he's asking us to bring our worship. He's saying, bring the sacrifice of your praise into the house of the Lord. Draw near to me and worship. Why? Because so that my soul can delight because I want to give you my blessing. He says, if you stay in the outer court and don't bring the aroma of your worship into my presence, my soul can't delight in you and I can't give you my blessing. But if you come into my presence after preparing a meal, if you prepared it for me and let the aroma of it enter into my presence, let it fill my presence with delight. My soul is going to rise up and bless you. And that's why I want it in the first place. Son, go make me a meal so I can bless you. God is drawing us in. So that he can bless us. You know that when God commands his blessing upon us, when he gives us his blessing, that blessing will follow us wherever we go. You know, you need to go home and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 3 through 13. This is one of the most powerful blessing passages in the entire, uh, in the entire Bible. He says, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And the enemies that come up against you, they'll come at you in one direction but flee from you in seven directions. God will cause them to be defeated before you. He said, I'll send a blessing on your barns and on your wine presses. I'll bless your land and I'll give you abundant prosperity. He said, you'll lend to many nations, but we'll borrow from from none. You'll be the head and not the tail. God says, I'm going to bless you. And that blessing causes the windows of heaven to be opened up. The storehouses of his bounty. And he blesses all of the work of your hand. That's how powerful the blessing is. See, we got to stop talking about money and start talking about blessing. And when you talk to folks about how they're doing, we always talk about our lack of money rather than our lack of blessing. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Don't matter how much money you have. Do you not remember that the prophet Elijah was sent to a woman in a city called Zarephath? And because the blessing of the Lord came upon that little bit of oil and that little bit of flour, it fed that entire household through the rest of the entire famine. Why? Because God blessed it. The blessing of God is able to take whatever you got and make it more than it is. Don't you remember that five loaves and two fish fed a multitude of 5,000 when Jesus blessed it? Why? Because a little boy was able to give his lunch. He was willing to give that, those five loaves. Don't you realize that Jesus commanded fish to spit coins out so his disciples could pay their taxes? I mean, Jesus is able to bless fish and make them spit out money. It doesn't matter what you got in the bank. It matters how much blessing you got. The blessing of the Lord is able to take what you got and make it more than it is. And the absence of the blessing of the Lord is able to take what you got and make it less than it is. Do you hear that? The blessing takes what you got and makes it more than it is. And when God removes his blessing, he withers up what you got. I don't care how much abundance you got. Rich people become poor every day. And we think it's just because they don't know how to handle their money. No, they did not know how to seek God for his blessing. They didn't know how to handle the blessing it wasn't about handling money. you got to learn how to handle blessing. If you can't handle blessing, you'll never handle money. But if you can handle blessing, you'll always be able to handle money. One of my life passages of scripture is in the book of Haggai, chapter 1. And the prophet Haggai comes 
to Israel in a time when they should have been rebuilding the temple, but instead everyone was rebuilding their own houses. The prophet Haggai calls a meeting and he calls everybody together and he says, give careful thought to your ways. He said, why don't you just think about your current situation? Let's talk about it for a second. He says, you planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are never warm. You earn wages only to put them into a purse with holes in it. Wait a minute. You earn wages and you put them in a purse with holes in it. You ever feel like there's holes? You know, I, I, I put on a pair of slacks a couple weeks ago and I reached my hand in the pocket and realized there was a hole in my pocket. And it caused me to remember that in several pairs of pants I've owned over the years, I've had holes in my pockets. You imagine somebody gives you a $100 bill every day and you stick it in your pocket, not realizing that's a hole in your pocket. And every couple days you reach in this, man, there should have been five, $600 in there. How come there's only $100? Because it's slipping through your pockets. you got holes in your pockets, God says to the people of Israel. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. You hear that? See, God wants to bless us, but we must understand that the blessing of the Lord only takes place within a particular context. We talked about this on Tuesday night, that God desired to bless Abraham, but he said, get up out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you and I will bless you. That is in order for the Lord to bless you, you've got to be living in the land of blessing. Now, we need to talk about what that means for us to live in the land of blessing. We began to talk about it Tuesday, but I want to clarify it today. What does it mean to live in the land of blessing? Well, if we look at the passage of scripture that we opened up to at the beginning of this message, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commandments. The land of blessing is characterized by two things. Number one, the fear of the Lord. And number two, the delight in his commandments. If you fear the Lord and take delight in his commandments, you're living in the land of blessing. If you don't fear the Lord and you don't take delight in his commandments, the blessing will elude you for the rest of your life. God's blessing will not rest upon you if you are not living in the land of blessing. You with me? All right, let's open this up. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Say it with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Say it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the opposite of the fool who despises wisdom and instruction. That is to fear the Lord is the opposite of despising wisdom and instruction. So what is the opposite of despising wisdom and instruction? Valuing wisdom and instruction, right? To fear the Lord means to highly value his instruction. To highly value his instruction means that when God tells you to do something, when he gives you an instruction, you see it not as an obligation, but as an opportunity. You value it. You value it. To fear the Lord is to highly value his instruction, to highly regard the instruction of the Lord, to see it as the uncontested path for the living of your life. This is the fear of the Lord. 
You see, the thing that we need to understand, we think the fear of the Lord is this intense emotional terror of him. Do you realize that if you had an intense emotional terror of the Lord, it would drive you away from him? Things that you feel an intense emotional terror of, doesn't it drive you away from them? Don't you want to run? You don't want to run to them. The fear of the Lord draws you to him. It is not simply a fear of him destroying you, although it does come with the knowledge that he can at any time wipe you off the face of the earth and make you an oil stain in the carpet. I mean, you always take that seriously, right? You never, I mean, he's killed too many people in the Bible for us to think that he just don't kill folk no more. He even killed people in the New Testament. You know, I mean, God is a gangster. But the fear of the Lord is not living in the knowledge that he can kill you at any time. That's not a relationship. You need therapy. The fear of the Lord is a high regard for his instruction. See, the blessed man knows that the Lord knows what he's talking about. And that if you're to ever have anything, the Lord knows how to tell you how to get it. Right? I mean, we could at least conclude. We can agree on that, right? Number one, God knows what he's talking about. Anybody disagree with that? If you disagree with that, there's the door. You're in the wrong, you came to the wrong place. If you don't think the Lord knows what he's talking about, you're in the wrong place. But secondly, if you're going to have anything in your life, the Lord can tell you how to get it. Do we agree on that? If, any, if you're going to have anything in your life, the Lord knows how to tell you how to get it. See, it's just like if you're an aspiring stockbroker and Warren Buffett approached you all of a sudden and said, I want to teach you the stock market. But I need you to meet me at my office tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. You wouldn't see that 5 a.m. wake-up call as law. You would see it as opportunity. Why? Because you highly regard his instruction. And matter of fact, you'd be scared to death to be late. You wouldn't get there at 5.01. You'd get there at 4.50. You might get there at 4.30. Why? Because Warren Buffett is the man who can tell you how to get where you're trying to go if you're wanting to be a stockbroker. If you're in the realm of finance, this man knows enough about this field to tell you how to get where you want to go. And so you would walk in the fear of Warren Buffett, not being afraid of being in his presence, but being afraid of losing his presence. Afraid that at any moment he would say, you know what? Get out of here. You're not worth my time. Afraid that at any moment he'd say, you know what? If you don't value my instruction, I'll give it to somebody else. Hit the door. Get to stepping. Right? See you, Maria. Don't let it hit you where the Lord split you. Right? In like manner, the fear of the Lord is not a fear of being in his presence. It's a fear of being outside of his presence. It's not a fear of obeying him. It's a fear of disobeying him. It's a fear of missing out on the opportunity to be obedient. It's a, this is why David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore. He was afraid that he would lose the presence of the Lord. Not afraid of being in it. Afraid of being outside of it. Not a fear of obedience. See, fools are afraid of obedience. Wise men are afraid of disobedience. When God speaks to a wise man and says, be here at 5 a.m., a wise man's afraid of getting there at 5.01. A fool is afraid he won't be able to wake up that early. 
That is, the fool is the fool does not regard the instruction of the Lord because the fool is always afraid of the downside, always afraid of what that obedience will cost him. The wise man is always in anticipation of what that obedience will provide for him. If I obey the Lord, I'll be blessed, says the wise man. If I obey the Lord, I'll be broke, says the fool. And that's why the fool despises wisdom instruction. So when the Lord says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, the wise man sees it as an opportunity. And he's afraid he's going to only be at 9.5%. But the fool is afraid that if he gives to the Lord, he's going to be broke. The fool is afraid, if I do what God says, I'm not going to have enough for my family. The wise man says, if I don't do what God says, I'm not going to have enough for my family. The wise man says, if I don't honor the Lord with my substance, I'm going to miss out on the blessing. The fool says, if I honor, if I honor the Lord with my substance, I'm going to miss out on my substance. The wise man is always willing to exchange his substance for the Lord's blessing. Did you get that? This is why the psalmist also defines that context as delight in the commandments of the Lord. Think about it. Don't the, when we talk about commandments, doesn't it just sound harsh? Yeah. Don't nobody want to be commanded yeah. in our day and in our time? Yeah. I mean, if we started the service and today we're going to talk about what the Lord commands. The whole service is going to be about the commandments of the Lord. I'm going to preach on the commandments. God is going to command you and you better obey. If I open the service like that, half the folks would leave. I ain't got time for no commandments. <laughs> Now, if I said today, we're going to talk about blessing. We're going to talk about everything the Lord's going to bless you with. This whole service is going to be about how God wants to bless you with um, money. And what else you want? You want a husband? You need a wife? God's got those too. You need a new job? God's got a, a job blessing for you. God's got car blessing. How many need a car blessing? God's got some car blessings. When you're driving down the road and you need a parking space, you need a parking space blessing. <laughs> I'd double the church if I preached on nothing but blessing. But we forget that commandment and blessing go together. If you don't take the commandment, you don't get the blessing. If I don't tell you that the only way to get the blessing is to honor the commandment, I've done you a disservice. Because you're going to be walking around the rest of your life saying, I'm blessed. And you're not. Delight in his commandments. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. Notice it says first fruits. Not second, third, fourth fruits. A lot of folks honor the Lord, but with fifth fruits and tenth fruits. When it says to give a tithe or a tenth of your income, it doesn't mean to give to the Lord tenth. Meaning first you pay your bills. And second, you, you buy your food. And third, you go shopping for clothes. And, and fourth, you know... You, you kick a little something to the baby mama. And then fit, I, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and then after I've spent everything that I want to spend, if I have any, uh, anything left, I'm going to kick down Jesus a little something, something. Jesus don't need you to kick him down a little something, something if you have anything left. Honor the Lord with your first fruits right off the top before you've messed over it. Before you've honored Uncle Sam. We honor Uncle Sam Safeway in Hollywood before we honor God. You honor Netflix first. 
You honored 24-hour fitness first, but you yet to honor the Lord. Oh, I'm going to get you, Lord. I'm going to get you. Yeah, I'm going to get you. <laughs> honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your bats burst with new wine. For the man who fears the Lord and who takes delight in his commandments, this is not a burden. This is a delight. The prophet Malachi gives us probably the clearest passage of scripture that differentiates the blessing from the curse. And it's in Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. The prophet looks at Israel and God speaks directly through him and says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In the giving of your tithes and offerings. You are under a curse the whole nation of you. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you. For you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house, says the Lord. Test me in this. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing on you that you do not have room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are saying that tithing is not for today. There's a lot of people out there that are saying that tithing is a part of the old covenant, is a part of the Old Testament. It's under the law, and we're not under the law We're under grace, and because we're under grace and not under the law, we're not under the obligation to give the tithe anymore. But let me ask you a question. Are we under blessing? That's my question. Are we or are we not under blessing? If you are going to tell me that Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 and following doesn't apply to me anymore, then you're telling me the blessing doesn't apply to me anymore. If you're telling me that that command of the Lord to bring my tithe into the storehouse does not apply to me, you're telling me I can't get that blessing anymore. You've nullified the blessing of the Lord to try to get out from under one of his laws. Are we under blessing or not? Listen, even if you were able to prove to me, which you cannot from scripture, that tithing is not for the New Testament church, I would cling to it with all my might because you ain't taking that blessing from me. If God, when God says... Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Oh, well, we're not under that anymore. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out. Well, then I can't test him. If I'm not under that anymore, I can't test him in this. And there's no windows of heaven blessing. Listen, trying to get out from under tithing is a very subtle way of saying, God, you leave my money alone and I'll leave yours alone. And all you've done is nullified the blessing that God wants to bring upon your life. Are you hearing me today? If God has no rightful claim to your substance, then you have no rightful claim to his. Did you hear that? If God has no rightful claim to your substance, you got no rightful claim to his. My heart's desire for each and every one of you is that you would live in the land of blessing this year. But living there means learning how to take delight in the commandments of the Lord. See, as long as you are afraid that if you give to God, you won't have enough for yourself, you're not taking delight in his commands. 
The blessed, the blessed man does not see the commands of the Lord as a thing to fear. He doesn't fear that if he gives, he won't have enough. Instead, he fears that he may not be completely obedient with giving, and then God may not be completely forthright with a blessing. The one who is afraid to give simply doesn't believe that God is very good. I'm bringing this in for a landing. We're going to break the poverty mindset this year. We're going to break it off of you. It's not a spirit. It's a mindset. You don't have a spirit of poverty. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you ain't got no spirit of poverty. You only got one spirit. The spirit of he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. I don't see any place in scripture that says you got a spirit of poverty as a believer in Jesus Christ. But you know what you got is a poverty mindset. And honestly, if you got a poverty mindset, you might as well have the spirit too. (laughs) The poverty mindset is characterized by the fear of not having enough and by the delight in hoarding what you have. Fear of not having enough and delight in hoarding what you have. The poverty mindset is both unthankful and unbelieving. It neither thanks God for what it has nor believes God for what it needs. And this mindset fulfills its own prophecy because God does not bless the man who believes and thinks that way. He just doesn't. The theme for this year is back to the blessing. And isn't it time? Isn't it time to get up out of your father's house and go to the place that God will show you? Isn't it time to leave behind that land that characterizes your comfort zone? Like Abraham, God is calling you to lose your life in the land of blessing. You remember the ten spies came back to Moses. They said, this land swallows up the inhabitants of it. It swallows up its inhabitants. And they didn't realize that that's a good thing. The land of blessing wants to swallow you up. I don't know about you, but I want to be swallowed up in the land of blessing. I want to go so deep in the land of blessing that I get so swallowed up in it that I never find my way out of it again. You'd look for me and say, where's Benjamin? Oh, he's in the land of blessing. You'll never find him. He's so deep in the blessing, you could never extract him from the blessing. In fact, he went so deep in the blessing that he became the blessing. Because remember, God said to Abraham, number one, I'll bless you. And number two, I will make you a blessing. See, God wants to take you so deep in the blessing that the blessing goes beyond being what you have. And it becomes what you are. Your identity becomes blessing. Suddenly, you're blessed everywhere you go because in order to not be blessed, you'd have to stop being who you are. Do you know what? Some of you need to get right in the area of giving. Some of you got to get right in the area of giving. And it's a getting right that does not transpire at the altar. Unless you're coming with your checkbook. You got to get right in the area of giving. You know what? I don't preach sermon. When was the last time I preached on giving? It's been a long time. But let me first say this. This has nothing to do with the light bill, the rent. This is not because the church is in need and we need to take a special offering. We wouldn't need no special offerings if the people of the church simply honored God with their substance and with the first. If everybody just did what God commanded, we wouldn't need a missions offering. We wouldn't need a love. We wouldn't need a special offering for anything. Why? Because when the people of God honor God with their substance, God takes that substance and he says, there will be meat in my house. God promised if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, there will be food in my house, says the Lord. And he said, test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. You need to get right and you got to see it. That's getting right. 
and not simply about doing your part to participate in the financial component of the church. We can use this kind of community-centric language and say, oh, we all need to participate in providing for the needs of the church as if we're doing God a favor. You can keep your favors. God wants your obedience, not your favors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This has everything to do with your heart before God. Are you going to honor the Lord with your substance? Or are you going to cling to the spirit of unbelief that would keep you walking in fear? Simple principle I want to lay out today. God blesses whatever is surrendered to him. And he withers whatever is withheld from him. You could, be the most, you could be the wealthiest person on earth. And God can wither it down to nothing. Millionaires become homeless every day. You could be the brokest person on earth. And God could bless it and prosper it to the highest heaven. The only question is, are you going to honor the Lord with your substance? With the first fruits of your increase? You know what? we got a lot to talk about over the next nine weeks. And not all of it is going to be on giving. we got to lay this foundation first. Yeah. This, if you read this chapter, and I want you to go home and read Psalm 112 in its entirety and meditate on it. This whole chapter is powerful. Verse 2, his descendants are mighty in the land. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how the descendants of the righteous are mighty in the land. Yeah. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The following Sunday, the message is called Wealth, Riches, and Righteousness. Wealth and riches are in his house, verse 3. And his righteousness endures forever. I mean, there's so many promises of God in this passage, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. I mean, these, I mean, there's so many blessings that God wants to break out among us, but it all starts with this foundation. All of these blessings only come to one person, the man who fears the Lord and who takes great delight in his commands. And if you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else in the next nine weeks. If you don't get this, don't expect any other blessing to break out in your life. But if you get this, If you come back to that place of the fear of the Lord and learn how to take delight in his commands, I'm telling you, you can expect every other blessing in this passage of scripture to come to pass in your life. You can live it. You can expect it. Somebody said to me yesterday, I hope my kids get it. Let me tell you something. I told him, I said, you're a man who fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commands. Your kids can't help but get it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how many knuckleheads you got growing up in your house. That knuckleheaded stuff is just a temporary thing. Your children are going to be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I'm telling you, we are going back to the blessing this year. I'm telling you, we're going to see God's blessing break out on your finances this year. We're going to see God's blessing break out in your family this year. We're going to see God's blessing break out in your friendships this year. God has divine relationships waiting for you down the road. We're going to talk about these things, but it all starts here. It all starts here. We got to go back to the blessing, but it starts with journeying to the land of blessing. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord. There's a rich store of of salvation. There's a rich store of righteousness waiting for you. But the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord. A high regard for his instruction. If you would embrace that in your heart today, if you'd open up your heart today and say, God, because listen, the spirit of the Lord is putting his finger on some places in your heart and in your mind where you have not valued his instruction. You've rejected it. 
Even if you have not outright said in your mind, I don't need that. By your own actions, you've shown you don't want that. Because you know the Lord said it, but yet you won't do it. The fear of the Lord is about not just about money. It's not just about tithing. It's about waking up every day and saying, God, what would you have me to do? Lord, incline, incline my ear to wisdom. I apply my heart to understanding. I value your instruction. Instruct me. Open me. Open my ears to listen. Awaken my ears to listen as one being instructed. Awaken me morning by morning. That's the fear of the Lord. It's an an ear that is attuned to his instruction and a heart that highly values his instruction. That is the fear of the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would release among us that spirit of repentance. Softer. That spirit of repentance that would cause us to turn our hearts and minds to you. Let there be a return to the fear of the Lord. Stir our hearts right now, God. Let there be a return to the fear of the Lord. Right now, I want you to repent. I want you to repent. You know, some of you in here, some of you in here, you know in your heart you have not honored the Lord with your substance. You've prayed for his blessing and his provision, but you haven't obeyed his command. You need to repent in your heart before God right now and come back to that land of blessing. You got to get this right. You got to get this right. You've squandered the seed that he's given you to sow. You've given it to other things. You've honored other things and you have not honored the Lord. You want to know why your finances fall apart? Because you have not honored the Lord. Get it right today. Get it right Get it right. Make a decision today. Make a decision today. I'm going to honor the Lord with my substance. You say, well, can I take my tithe and give it to a homeless person? No, you can't. That's not what the tithe is. He said, bring it into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The tithe goes into the storehouse. It goes into the house of God. It doesn't go out on the street to feed the homeless. It doesn't go help to help a friend who's in need. It goes into the storehouse so that there may be meat in the house of God. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right in your heart. Get it right in your mind. He said, well, I don't like that. Well, you don't fear the Lord because God said it, not me. So well, I need to pray about that. Who are you going to pray to? You think he's going to change his mind? It's in the word. It's in print. No, you need to shift your heart and shift your mind. You need to come into the truth. You need to make a decision. You need to shake off that deception that keeps you out of the blessing. You say, well, it's going to take me some time. Okay, but just understand it's going to take God some time to release his blessing in your life too. Because Paul said, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who sows abundantly will reap abundantly. As you sow, so shall you reap. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that at all times, in all things, having all that you need, you may abound in every great work. God is able to do it. But it begins with a return to to the fear of the Lord. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would release the fear of the Lord over this place right now. Release the fear of the Lord. 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 Not a terror, but a high regard for your instruction. Some of us highly regard the instruction of others more than you. 
We seek the instruction of the experts. We seek the word of the psychologist and of the sociologist. We seek the word of the expert in the realm of business and finance. But we have not sought the word of the Lord. And God, I pray that we would begin to seek the word of the Lord. That you would give us that fervent desire in our heart to cry out after knowledge. To lift up our voice for understanding. To seek them as silver. To search for them as for hidden treasures. So that we might know the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. Father, I speak your blessing over this house today. Over each and every heart. Over each and every mind. And I give you all of the praise and glory for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand to your feet right now. Baby, would you just come up and speak a blessing? Hand her that microphone there. Just come up and speak a blessing over the people today. I tell you what. You're going to see great blessing break out in your life this year. This is just day one. Stay tuned. Why don't we hold hands? Father, we stand as a family, as your house. Father, we heard your words. And we lift up our hearts, our lives together as one. And Father, we say we will incline to your ways, Lord. Father, we will highly regard your instructions. Father, from this moment on, every member, God, every person in this house, God, every morning when we awake, Lord, God, we will incline our ears and our hearts to you, God, and we will highly regard, God, your instructions, Lord. We will do what you say, not because out of obligation, but because we love you, Lord. Father, we thank you as a family. We will journey back to the land of the blessings, Lord. We will fear you, God. We will delight in your commandments, Lord. Father, we take authority over every lie and the deception of the enemy, God, that comes against us from journeying back to this land of blessing. We will return. We will go back to the blessings, Lord. God, we will be so swallowed up in your blessings, Lord. We will become that blessings for the nations, Lord, for our neighbors, our families, our friends, God. We will become your blessings, God. So, Father, we thank you that you've given us your word today because you are lifting us up to be your blessings, Lord. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.